This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Christina. And I'm Chris. And this is The Talking Dead podcast number 281, recorded on Thursday, September 15th, 2016. We are here. We are back. You're, uh, well, you're back. Yeah. You missed one episode and you're back. Yeah. Uh, Jason was back and we had to cut it short earlier this week because, uh, as you, if you've listened, you know that, uh, everything was going along fine. And then he went to go check on the family and decided that he needed to, to be there for some support, which is totally fine. Baby duty. Yeah. Baby duty. Uh, but we had to cut it short. We had some feedback lined up for Monday night's episode, but we cut it off and we're going to do it right now instead. So this is kind of a bonus midweek uh, feedback show, which we don't usually do for Fear the Walking Dead. And you're and I'm here, glad to be back. You are here for your first I was kind of sad back show. Yeah, I know. You did like three in a row, right? And then we yeah. kicked you off. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, <laughs> God damn it. Really? Uh, it's okay. Yeah. It was fun while it lasted. Uh, so sorry about Monday. Uh, it was kind of weird, but here we are doing this, hopefully, to make it up for you. Before we get into the listener feedback, though, I want to let everyone know that we are going, and by we, I mean you and me, yeah. are going to Atlanta for Walker Stalker Con at the end of October. Yeah, I'm super excited. So, I've never been to Atlanta, so I'm like, cool. Or a Walker Stalker Con. Or a Walker Stalker Con. Yeah, so uh, what was it, three years ago, I think, Jason and I went to the very first Atlanta one and yeah. had an amazing time. And then I've been to three or four since then. And, and you took our daughter last December to the New York one. I did. I took one and of the kids. she got all sorts of awesome photos taken. Her and Daryl Dixon, yep. her and <laughs> Beth, like. Oh, man, that was serious bragging rights on Facebook with a few people I know. So yeah, that was pretty cool. So Soph met some of the some of the celebrities. Yeah. Uh, so that was in New York. I've been to New York twice, went to Chicago once. And that's, I think, it actually for Walker Stalker Cons. Anyways, we're going to Atlanta. That's the big one. It is in uh, at the end of October on the 28th to the 30th. So we will be in town. And if you want to meet up or hang out or whatever, you can meet both of us. Yeah. We'll if go you, for beers. If you want to do that. Be awesome. Totally. And I'll probably be hosting some panels and stuff like that. So uh, that should be fun, too. I don't know what yet, but we'll get that sorted out soon. Um, the other thing we're going to do while we're down there is get in a car and drive down to Sonoy, Georgia, where they shoot a lot of the show and where Alexandria is. So that will be fun. I've been there before, but it'll mm -hmm. be your first time, mm -hmm. which will be awesome. Yeah. And we're going to eat at Nick and Norman's if, cool. if we can. I, I, I sort of imagine it's going to be really busy, but we're going to try our best to get in yeah. there and have a meal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe that can be the first restaurant review we do. <laughs> well, if we do a restaurant one, we're still figuring that uh, yeah. another podcast out. Yeah, yeah. So I like some of the people's suggestions, but there's, we'll get into that another time. There's some ideas for sure. But yeah. uh, the, the idea I had was review food and movies, they, like, you know, see a movie and have a meal. And and if we go to Nick and Norman's, we're not going to see a movie, but uh, we will we will maybe talk about the restaurant. I'm sure we will no matter what. Although I was looking up things to do on TripAdvisor in Atlanta, and apparently there's a really cool theater there that I think 
shows movies. It's what's the? It, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's what, what theaters was it do called? Usually. No, like it's a really cool all old like. I think it's like Art Deco or something, or but it's in, an old theater right in Atlanta. I want to say, oh yeah, the Fox Theater. I don't know. There's, I think. Am I, think, I right? I think there's. If any Fox. of our listeners know, correct me or. Oh, we'll look it agree. up. I don't know. I think there's Fox theaters all over. The yeah, US. but this one like looks really cool. Like, and they do they they do um. Uh, Food they do and booze like a they do like a Halloween tour thing. Oh. Like the ghosts of Fox theater or something based on their website. When I was looking at it, I'm already doing my research. This is what I do before we travel. Yeah. Well, and we're going to have a couple of extra days because we're going down on the Wednesday and Walker Stalker con starts or runs Friday to uh, Sunday. So I think the plan is to go down to Nick and Norman's on Thursday, drive around the state a bit on Thursday mm-hmm. and then have dinner there uh, Thursday night before we come back and then get into the the conference uh for friday so either way it should be fun um uh and i'm i'm really looking forward to it it's a good time and it's fun to hang out with all those folks because they're all nice people cool all right let's jump into some listener feedback listener feedback all right our first one is a quick short one here comes from andy in the uk andy writes would just like to congratulate Fear on possibly their most well-executed set piece so far. I felt the pier walking and hirding was really well shot and very effective. I think so too. Yeah, um, I did like that scene. I That was well done. The only problem I had with it was that in some ways it almost felt too easy and it didn't feel like, to me anyways, that they would actually be able to empty out the entire hotel like that on in one sort of maneuver right yeah it was it was a little too seamless like nothing went wrong yeah you i was just waiting the whole time something was gonna go wrong and then once madison was out on the pier by herself i was kind of freaking out because at one point she had this look on her face like okay i'll just stay here and let them devour me Mm. and then alicia yelled up to her and that's when she jumped off i swear she had a look on her face like okay this is how it ends I'm just going to let them do what they will to me. Huh. I, I felt like that's, I saw like there was a change in her expression at that moment, but then I've only, I only watched the episode the one time because I didn't prep. Right. Cause I knew I wouldn't be recording <laughs> Monday. So now I'm like, I'm just trying to remember back. Yeah, no, I, I didn't really pick up on that at all, but it was, it, it I thought it was great and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, but after, you know, they clear out one floor and of course the difficulty is moving all the bodies of the zombies out and burning them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decide that they're going to just march them all out onto the pier. I still feel like it would take forever to organize all those floors to empty out the ho- hotel. But, you know, I mean, it's a small knit I think to pick there because yeah. it, it did look pretty cool. And obviously we can't have a show where every week they're just spending all day clearing out, clearing out zombies from the hotel. So yeah. they need to be doing other things. So it was pretty cool. I did find it odd that the grooms. So Oscar from the bridal party, yep. that his brother was like suddenly keen to help. Like he was there suddenly helping them well it that was because madison convinced them like when she went to negotiate but right? not everyone not the mother well no because the mother is still mad that uh you know that elena elena locked them in and yep. effectively killed her daughter but ha- but really it wasn't 
the locking in that killed no. her. It was that her father had a heart attack and bit her face off. So, yeah, you know, I get that she's upset, but she's kind of misdirecting blame a little bit. But then yeah, again, but Elena she's, did. She's grieving. Yeah. And, and Elena did lock the door. There's no yeah. denying that. Yeah. So anyway, she wasn't really a hero in this scenario. No, I wouldn't say so. But I don't know how much anyone would be a hero. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, she she was trying her best to contain it. Right. Yeah. She didn't know what was going on. Well, so and, she thought if I lock them in here, maybe the rest of the hotel won't get infected. Well, that that was what she said in the previous episode. She or whichever episode when she was talking, I think it was the previous one when she was talking to Alicia and she said, I had to do something. I had my other guests to consider. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, she, so she, and you can tell she has remorse. It's not like she was like, Oh yeah, it was an easy decision. Like, I think she really, really battled with it for sure. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, she had to act fast, but she did. Uh, I mean, I think she, it was a pretty hard choice to make. Right. Yeah. And she made the choice that she thought was best at the time. So who's next? So next one. Yeah. We have designer Will from Brooklyn. I recognize that name. Mm-hmm. We had a call from him. Yeah. Designer Will. A couple Will episodes is, ago, I think. He's a regular contributor. Cool. This episode had action, character development, reveals, and payoffs, and some nice direction to boot. I hope they keep this momentum up. Highlights for me were learning that the pharmacist was bitten by a kid on drugs rather than the infected, and that Nick's background as a junkie has finally served practical purpose so two two points i want to make about this email and it kind of relates back to andy's as well is that we got a lot of communication from people who who really enjoyed this episode and think that the season has been getting better and better um as it goes goes on and i for the most part agree with that but i think season two has been really good actually most of the way through so i don't feel like these episodes are that much better but I still think they're they're good. I think they're maintaining a pretty high level of quality. And then um, the other thing was, I'm not 100% sure we know for sure that Alejandro was bitten by the kid on drugs. Yeah. But, okay, so I'm, that's the thing. I, maybe I was not paying close enough attention. Did he say something to that effect to Nick at some point or something was alluded to that? Well, he told the, he told this story to Nick about about having having this other kid who was a junkie and, you know, he was constantly trying to steal from him and stuff like that. And then there was some situation that happened where he was in trouble. Alejandro went in to uh, to help him. Oh, yeah. OK, now I remember. Yeah. And he got bitten. But. He and he thinks, or he's he either is telling people, or he genuinely believes that he was bitten by an infected and survived it, and that's why he's special. But um, most a lot of people think he was either bitten by someone who wasn't infected, who was actually not dead, or mm-hmm. this kid he was trying to help, and he's either just confused or he's he's lying about the story to you know, hold, hold on to his position of power. So okay. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a hundred percent sure based on what was in, what was on screen, um, that, that he's saying or that he was or wasn't bitten for sure. I, I, that, or that he was bitten by the kid on drugs. Obviously he was bitten by somebody. Um, but either way, I, 
sort of believe less and less these days that Alejandro is actually bitten and survived, at least by bitten by an infected. So I still maintain it's a fake <clears throat> and there's like it's a scar from something else or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's, I don't think he's actually been bitten by an infected at least. That's what, not. that's what I mean. Like he's probably bitten by uh, this kid or somebody else who was yeah. in the crowd or whatever was happening. You know, he might just be confused. Yeah. Uh, Steven on the internet writes, Hey guys, long time listener and first time writing. I refuse to believe Alejandro's actually been bitten, at least by an actual infected. He's positioning himself as some kind of messiah in a post-apocalyptic world. His entire MO is based on lies, which seem to be in order to serve his people and protect La Colonia, which is fine, I guess. But lies still, and it seems like Nick is about to drink his Kool-Aid. I hope not. Yeah, I don't I don't know that Nick's necessarily going to drink the Kool-Aid. No, I think I think Nick is like keeping uh not I don't want to say a safe distance, but he's 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 sort of suspicious enough that I don't I don't think he's he's going to fall for it. I don't know. I think Nick is coming around. I think at first he was skeptical, but then mm-hmm. he heard the guy's story and now he's, you know, getting it on with uh Luciana. Yeah. I think he's kind of joining he's coming on board like he's joined the community and and i think he's starting to to believe a little bit well and it goes back to what i said if i think i said something at one point a few episodes ago when we or a few podcasts ago when we recorded mm-hmm. i said something about nick being a bit too impressionable and and weak-willed well that's the thing and so that's, that could yeah definitely happen and that's his personality that's one of the things strand right he originally recognized him that he's Mm-hmm. He's uh he's a guy that you can control a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, you know, I think that's probably the case and and uh because of that Nick is starting to believe this guy's story about about being bitten. Like I keep saying I think we'll find out the truth soon. Um but Nick's drinking the Kool-Aid if you ask me. And I do agree though that Alejandro is positioning himself as some sort of messiah. Yeah, well, he's their he's, savior. Yeah. Totally. Okay, now next one is from Erica in Carmel, California. Hey, we were just there. We drove through. Yeah, well, we stopped there. We walked around for a bit, I think. We were just there in the summer. Carmel by the sea. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We stopped there. Nice little town. Really nice town. Really nice. We we were like, ah, damn, if only we weren't in a rush to get to San Francisco. That's where we went into a little coffee place because the used, a washroom yeah, and they didn't have one. The kids needed to go to the bathroom and they didn't have one. I thought that was like weird. Running around the whole town. Oh my god, where's the washroom? Well, to be kids fair, are like, we gotta pee. To be fair, they pointed us in the right yes, direction. They did. But, but as far as I know, in Canada, maybe not all, the entire country, at least in Ontario, you if you are a food establishment, even a cafe, you must provide you have bathrooms. To have a bathroom. Yeah, it's the law. Yeah. So I guess not down there. Anyway, back to Erica. She wrote, I was wondering if anybody noticed the scene when Nick asks Nick, sorry, asks Alejandro about the bite mark. After they discuss, Alejandro almost gives Nick a look like he is worried or unsure about something. Later on, he discusses it with Nick again. That really seems like the behavior of somebody who is lying. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think Nick is one of the only ones who has questioned Alejandro about the scar and it caught him off guard. Right. So Nick's the only one who's questioned him, even though he's starting to believe the story. But yeah. And I think the reason maybe these other people haven't questioned Alejandro is weren't they? They're all from 
this town, right? Like they all lived there before the the outbreak, no? Or did a lot of uh, I don't know. We don't really we don't really know, I don't think. They I feel they almost either... like they're all locals, so they all knew each other before and so everyone sort of knew Alejandro and trusted him and felt like, well, we're not gonna question what you're saying. Yeah, I I am wrong. Well, I they may all be locals. I don't know if they're all from this specific I don't know, whatever like few blocks they have yeah. walled off, but um, yeah, I think they're all from the area, whether yeah. they know each other or not. I don't know. But, uh, the, I think the point is, yeah, Nick might've been the first person to question him. And maybe that's because Alejandro and, and everybody there has been there since basically day one, since the beginning. Right. And so they've mm-hmm. all kind of experienced this themselves and maybe in their experience, they like, okay, usually when you get bit, you die and you turn, but this guy didn't, so he must be special. So we better we better follow him. Whereas Nick and all his experiences have been different, right? He's never yeah. found someone that's been bitten and survived, so that's why he would question it, and maybe they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> Jenna in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, writes: Maybe you are right, and he is using antibiotics uh, to keep the infection and fever at bay and buy himself time. She's talking about Alejandro, of course. Yeah. But what if he is attempting to homebrew a cure, knowing he will run out of meds eventually and his days are numbered? Being the doctor, he does have access to all the guinea pigs. I mean, patients he wants. <laughs> right. And we've mm-hmm. seen him treating people. We've seen him injecting people with yep. saline solution and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, could, He's just giving them be. placebos and he's stashing all the meds for himself. Yeah. Or trying to figure out a way for, to yeah. to cure this thing which yeah. as the audience we kind of know that that's not a thing but the characters don't know that they don't so. know it just happened like how many weeks in are we now i i uh, think since the outbreak three four weeks i think it's closer to two months oh, okay um, but still like it's it's brand new for these people it's it's brand new compared to the main show for yeah. sure and it's yeah i mean a couple months is is not very that long not really all that long to uh experience something like this yeah <laughs> Christine from the internet writes, Hi guys, well I'm happy to see that neither of you ever got involved in heavier recreational drugs. Yep. I want to help you understand Nick's actions. My ex was a meth user so many years ago, and a common way to make quick money or get his drugs for free was to was to be the go sorry, to be the go between buying drugs from his dealer and delivering them to his friends, saving them a trip to some greasy dealer's dealer's place before delivering the drugs he would stop by my apartment and take half of the meth for himself adding powdered baby laxative which is harmless and similar in texture to make up the difference that sounds delicious (laughs) (laughs) no his friends were lightweight users so never complained that the drugs were weak this also leads me to believe that the oxycontin addicts will immediately notice that their drugs are not strong enough tell the bad guys and nick will get found out right away Right. So I guess if you're a casual drug user, you might not notice, but the guys that they are trading for are the kind of guys who probably will notice, even though yeah. Nick doesn't think so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I imagine that's probably the case. And this whole thing, while Nick thinks is a good idea, will really just serve to create a massive conflict between like. The, the colony or la the colonia, colonia 
and uh and the other guys what are those they, other guys yeah what do they have names yet no like the, the gang, gang or the the cartel the cartel <laughs> the narcos oh yeah she was calling them narcos was she louisiana yeah okay um so the narcos uh yeah i i was thinking myself when i was watching him sort of prepare the the fake tablets if you will. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, oh, this is not going to end well. Well, it, like they're going to be found out. It for def- sure. You, they're setting it up that way. Exactly. It definitely sets up a pretty bad uh, conflict yeah. there, especially for these experienced drug users, you know. So uh, I'm sure that's what's going to happen. Um, one thing I thought was interesting, though, that I don't think I mentioned on Monday is they – they showed Nick and Luciana on their way there to like make the exchange, but they didn't actually show the exchange. No, not at all. Which is interesting. It's you'd think that would be sort of an important bit. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I was like, suddenly they're back. What's going on? Well, yeah. I guess you would think it would be important, but I guess it isn't Maybe. really. No, it's the outcome of it that's going to be important, right? So it did stand out a little bit. It was unusual for this show to like, you know lead up to something and then sort of have it take place off screen, which is weird. But interesting that Christine's mentioning what her ex would do with the drugs, that it was very <laughs> similar to what Nick's doing. Well, it's, it's exactly like the same art imitating life. Yeah, it's exactly they the must, same. You know, they must like the, the, the showrunners must've known things like this go on, right? Like, Oh, let's get Nick. Totally. They're, they're doing something like this. They've done their research yeah, for sure. Or they're meth users. <laughs> Or Oxycontin users, I don't know. Probably, hopefully just done their research. <laughs> yeah, probably just done their research. All right, Sally on the internet writes, so it's really not what you see, it's what you don't see. Still, uh, do not, still do not get to see a Zombride, but I like that they didn't show us. The emotional impact is still there, and it would have taken something away from the tenderness of the scene if we saw Strand killing the walker. Uh, she's of course referring to the uh, the final scene of the episode where Strand talks to Oscar before going into the room. What did, what did you think of that scene? I thought it was pretty well done. I thought it was well done, and I was worried that we were going to encounter the zombie bride, and I didn't I didn't want to like something about it, the way they set up the scene. I was like, oh, please don't let them show her. Why not? I don't want to see it. Don't I don't know. See? I didn't want to see. It would make you sad. Well. I mean, the scene where she's dancing with her father and she's all happy and then suddenly he falls to the ground and she's doing CPR on him or mouth to mouth on him. And then he bites her face. I was like, oh, my God, that's so sad. Like, it was just upsetting. No, it's, you know, and so just remembering that I'm like, I don't want to see her as a zombie. It was also not really the point of the scene. No, right. It was it was to show Oscar grieving and it was to show. It was to get Strand up there and have him kind of explain his his feelings about the whole thing and say, you know what, she's not your wife anymore and uh, you have to let go of that and, yeah. and move on. He basically told him you have to become a post-apocalypse type of person now and, and mm-hmm. you have to change sort of thing, uh, yeah. which Strand has in been able to do to a degree because he lost Tom, Abigail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you can also tell Strand isn't really all that interested in just sort of doing the stuff he needs to do, right? Like he let Madison take over everything this episode, whereas on the boat, he was the guy in charge, you know? 
Well, I think he's been he's been more despondent. Well, that's since what I mean. Leaving since Tom, Tom, right? Tom Abigail. Since Tom Abigail turned, well, died. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like he's he, been, you know, he's he's also in a grieving process for sure. But he also he told Oscar that you know this is what it is now. Mm-hmm. You gotta you got it's not her anymore. So don't think of it like her, mm-hmm. like your mm-hmm. wife. It's she's just a creature or a monster now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. All right. Don from the USA. Yep. Writes, Chris, you had problems with Madison already being vigilant against outsiders coming to take the hotel from them. The gist of your position, I think, was that it was too early into the zombie apocalypse for her to have so readily considered the living as a threat. My counter to that is that she learned in the first half of the season that the living are ready to prey other survivors. One of the themes of the first half was that outsiders were not to be trusted. The pirates tried to take the Abigail. Leading up to that, Strand was angry at Alicia for revealing her identity and location to Jack the Pirate. Jake, sorry, Jake the Pirate. I think that is a well enough developed theme that Madison would understand the threat other survivors posed. Right. And and sort of along those lines, we also got an email from Cecilia in Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Cecilia says, you mentioned that Madison knows things she should not. Remember, she had an addict for a son. Likely her husband was as well. Uh, she has seen the darker side of humanity on a regular basis for years. And additionally, she knew she could kill her neighbor, Susan. That was in season one. She, was, she should kill her neighbor. She should. Yeah, okay. Sorry, kill Sorry. her neighbor, Susan. She was very calm when she asked Daniel after torturing Adam, did he tell us what we need to know? She knew about the cobalt plan and has seen cities destroyed on the coast. The rangers, the park ranger's wife, asks her to take her children. Then she sees the daughter die after taking the power pill. Madison then meets Celia, who has a very special pull on Nick. This ends with Madison locking Celia in with the infected. Travis has been gone because of Chris, and Nick walks off to be with the infected. So Madison has had more than her fair share of learning events. So I think Dawn in the USA and Cecilia in Tucson, Arizona have laid out quite a case i think mm-hmm. for uh for madison to kind of have enough knowledge and experience even in the short time in this zombie apocalypse to not be trusting anyone and to sort of know that there's going to be threats and challenges and that they have to prepare, prepare for them which is yeah. kind of what i was discounting but when you lay it all out like this it does uh feel like maybe she knows what she needs to know that being said I feel like it's still pretty fast. I mean, she's she's learned quickly, but I guess she's had a lot of experiences. I feel like watching her and her character, I, I feel like she is a strong person. Yeah. Who would would learn and I, I'm I'm not I'm trying I'm having trouble finding the wording <laughs> right now. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Um Yeah, I I guess a lot of the stuff that she's doing now isn't actually surprising me that much. Just cause I've always sort of viewed her as sort of a, a stronger person on the show. Well, well, she certainly Who, stepped up in the yeah. last episode. My my point, which I, I realize you weren't here for, yep. is just that she seems to she seems to know what to do already instead of kind of be fumbling her way through this zombie apocalypse. Right? She knows that 
living people are threatening and she knows that they have to fortify this hotel in some way to, to make it safe and, and keep it safe so they can stay there. And just all these things that I, it sort of feels like it would take other people a long time to figure out. But I think it's because she is a, she wants to survive and she wants her family to survive. Yeah. And to her, that's the most important thing. Like she wants to protect Alicia now. Yep. Nick has wandered off. Travis isn't there. And she's just like, whatever, we have to stick together and we have to try to survive this. Yeah. No, I, I and, totally get it. And all the yeah. points that Dawn and yeah. Cecilia made sort of su- support that. Well, mm-hmm. not sort of, but they, they actually, they really do. Right. So she's, and the other thing is some people just, know what to do in situations of crisis, right? Mm-hmm. She's got a good head on her shoulders and she's figured out, uh, she's kind of figured out the world quicker than maybe, maybe I would have, or maybe some other people would. So I guess it's not too, not too far fetched to believe that she'd be afraid of everyone and want to do what she can to protect herself. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, Hugh or, pronouncing, or, or who? who? I'm who? not sure. Um, from San Francisco writes, correct me if I'm wrong. I may have missed something, but didn't Elena say the hotel was at full capacity? Judging by the size of the place, there must have been at least thousands of walkers. There's no way they could have cleared out all 30 something floors for walkers in just one day. Yeah. And that's what of I was, walkers. Sorry. Of walkers in just one day. That's what I was saying before. It just didn't seem that possible. And she did even mention, I guess that the place was at full capacity, which would be hundreds, if not thousands of people. But did they evacuate maybe when everything happened at the, at the wedding? Like yeah. maybe she ran out and she sounded some alarm and like evacuated the hotel, got everyone out of there. Like yeah. Everyone that was staying at the hotel. Cause she knew, Oh my God, this is bad. There's an infected in there. And it's only a matter of time that more people in there are going to get infected. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get out and they're going to infect everyone in the hotel. You would hope so. You would I'm, think that there would be some sort of evacuation. So, yeah. so maybe half of them or two thirds yeah. of them left. Yeah. I have, a, I feel like that must be what, what happened there is that a bunch of people did get out, but then the people remaining in the rooms probably didn't make it. Plus some of them fell off the balconies when them, they were playing the piano. So yeah. So yeah, there was a whole bunch there. Yeah, that's true. So I guess they, although they got up and started wandering around again. Right. But they weren't, they weren't in the hotel anymore, you know, and maybe they just killed them or maybe that was the first group they took out before they realized it would take too long. So I I think if a lot of them left, then we're probably, you know, we're, we're probably within a reasonable amount. And there were still quite a few on that pier as they were marching them down. So quite a few. All right, uh, Darren in Springfield, Missouri, USA writes in. He said he's a relatively new listener and he's got some good speculation here. So I thought I'd read this. Darren says, more and more, Fear the Walking Dead seems to be focusing on developing Nick's character and leadership skills by separating him from the group and giving him a chance to spread his wings away from his mother. As we saw in episodes two and three, we're beginning to see a similar treatment for Travis's son, Chris. I think we're headed for a future situation where Nick reunites with his family and becomes its leader, which might necessitate Madison's death. At the same time, we're seeing a similar metamorphosis with Chris, but on a much darker, violent and negative path. How great would it be for the two groups now led by Nick 
uh, and Chris to eventually confront each other. It would be like Rick versus the governor, but with the added tension that they are not strangers, but actually more brother versus brother or stepbrother versus stepbrother. This would give the audience a chance to have a bit of history with both sides of the conflict and even a little sympathy for the bad guys. Their previous relationship could also cause turmoil and mistrust within the groups themselves by calling into question the actions of the leaders and raising suspicion, perhaps among others who want to take over the leadership role. So this would be really awesome, right? I really like that theory. That's a good one. One of the things that Jason and I have talked about a number of times is what would, how would you feel you know, it's all about perspective. We follow Rick's group on the main show, so we feel like they're the good guys. But let's say we'd been following some other group and they encountered Rick's group. What what if we'd like been following group. or what if we'd been in following the Alexandrians, the yeah. boring old Alexandrians who lived behind their walls all those times? Yeah. And then Rick shows up and all the stuff he like, did. God, what's with this guy, Rick? He's messing everybody's life up. Yeah. He's screwing right? things up. Yeah. He's come. He's brought you know, all sorts of danger here. So it just depends how you look at it. But maybe if they're doing on this show, what Darren speculates is they're taking characters we know and they're they're We're following one down a really dark path and one down a less dark path, I guess. And if they're going to make them both into kind of group leaders, they're going to have to butt heads at some point. Mm-hmm. And then what do we do? Because we, we may or may not be on both sides. Or yeah. or the audience is going to have to splinter off into Team Nick and Team Chris. So I think it'll be awesome. Yeah. It's a great idea. So I'd probably be on Team Nick, though. Why? I like Nick. Yeah, but I'm really starting to enjoy Chris's story. I don't know if I'm going to say I like Chris, but uh, he is kind of getting dark. But he's yeah. much more oh, interesting. Yeah, for sure. He's more interesting than he was. Than he was recently. But yeah. I like to root for the good guys. Right. Well, I guess. I don't know. And Nick's on his, uh, Chris is on his way to bad guy. He's going to bad, bad guyville. Bad town. Yep. Bad town. <laughs> All right. Moving along. Sure. Okay. Uh, Dan from Columbus, Ohio writes, one of you mentioned on the last episode that you felt like they needed to bring everyone together to have one central story. I think you are right that three storylines can't continue, but I do think they could do two ongoing stories. In the next few episodes, they need to have Chris kill Travis. Whoa. <laughs> okay. To yeah. begin his villain storyline and then have Nick join up with the rest of the family at the hotel. Or have Travis kill Chris. I'd prefer that. Sorry. <laughs> and join either Nick at the Colonia or Madison at the hotel. Right. So have one of those guys kill the other one and then join up. And so we have our, our two groups. It's similar idea. Yeah, But if anyone's going to kill anyone, it's going to be Chris killing Travis. Chris, Chris, Travis won't kill Chris. He wouldn't do it. I don't know. He's too much. I feel like Travis is too much of a good guy. He won't, he could never kill his own son, no matter how bad his son turns. I don't believe it. Well, what if he's forced to, what if they're in a situation where Chris is about to harm someone like Madison? Yeah, that yeah. he that he really and he knows he's going to do it. Like he didn't know he was going to kill that uh, that farmer, farmer right? No. From the other episode, very sudden. That was out of nowhere, really. But now Travis knows that Chris is capable of that, and we we also know that he 
you know, he was feeling uh, rejected by Madison and Alicia and, and that side of the family. And remember, he walked into their room at night and picked up the knife. And that's when he that's when he left. Right. He gone crazy. Yeah. So with all this knowledge now that Travis has, maybe the next time something like this happens, he's going to have, you know, he's going to have to stop Chris from doing something. And maybe that's going to mean he has to kill his own son. Mm. I wouldn't be too shocked if it came down to something like that. Um, but it would also be pretty terrifying and insane to watch. Yeah. You know, can you tell I hadn't read that yet? I was like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I usually send these to Jason ahead of time so he yeah. can read them. And I'm like literally just reading these for the first time. So, although I snuck a peek today yeah. in between well, in fact, working Dan's, to look. <laughs> Dan's came in late, so I just added it late. So um, you, you wouldn't have seen that. Oh, I wouldn't have seen it. But a uh, little behind the scenes tidbit information. I send them to Jason early mostly because he likes to pre-read them, make his own uh, like formatting adjustments so he can read it better. <laughs> really? Yeah. He doesn't okay. like to read something blind. Whereas, okay. I mean, I read them when I prepare, but then, uh, then I just put them into the document and I don't love to read it. something blind, but I'm well, better at it than I was as a kid. Oh my gosh. I hated having to read in front of the <laughs> class as a kid. It was like the most stressful thing ever. Cause I'd be uh, like, yeah. uh, 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 like I just was not a strong reader as a kid. You got to, uh, practice your public speaking. What I didn't like yeah, was suck at that playing thing. my band instrument in front of the band <laughs> class playing. I played the trumpet. I didn't like that. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so that was fun. All right, two more here. Um, it's my turn, right? Yeah. Adam in Texas writes, So, I think Alejandro is bullshitting about surviving a walker bite or possibly just misinformed, bit by a non-infected. This is what we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. But what if he is immune? What would this really mean for the Walking Dead universe? Could his immunity be turned into a vaccine? And best case scenario, we have, say, hundreds of other immunes, but they're still in a world loaded with walkers willing to eat them. Having one guy be immune and maybe using that immunity, immunity to cure others really only solves about 10% of the problem. There's still the walkers, evil humans, and the fall of society to deal with. True. I'm not even sure it would be 10% of the problem. So Adam is trying to say here that what if he is immune? I mean, that's not really going to help anyone that no. much because they don't have the resources, even if they can come up with some sort of vaccine or cure, they don't have the like, resources what, they're gonna, to. They're going to airdrop the, the vaccine all over no, everything. Airdrops don't exist anymore, <laughs> yeah, exactly. really. You know, so they, they can't make it yeah. in mass. They can't mass produce it. They no. can't distribute it. Um, maybe they can save a few people locally. And I guess if you start immunizing people and then making more vaccine. They all start making more vaccine. They can spread it around, but mm -hmm. there's really a lot of other problems going on. So the point is if he's immune, does that really change the walking dead universe at all? Not really. Not really. But it re brings me, but it reminds me of uh, many seasons ago on the walking dead near the beginning of the series where they go to the CDC. That was the last episode of season one. Yeah. Yeah. And wasn't, weren't they going there because they thought they could find a vaccine or a, a cure? Well... Or why were they, I forget, or they were going there for information? I forget now. No, they were, you know, Rick's, Rick and the group were in Georgia. They were near Atlanta. Yeah. And they decided that this is some sort of 
you know, disease, outbreak of a disease, and they decided, let's go to the Center for Disease Control. Maybe mm-hmm. they can help us. It's completely logical. Yeah. And I don't, um, I don't hold it against them for thinking that at all. But they no, I would totally do that too. <laughs> they weren't really. I mean, they never really said we're going there because they can cure us. They were just going yeah. there because this is a sickness, and maybe Let's they find out more. Maybe they know what to do. Okay, yeah, I couldn't remember the exact reasoning for going. But, but once they got there, yeah. um, they met Doctor Jenner. You remember Jenner? Yep. And played by the guy that played the best friend in Truman Show, wasn't it? Yeah, whose <laughs> name? That, that old movie with Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. Whose once name again, I I'm... used to know, but it's slipping my mind right now once, once again i'm referencing obscure well truman show is not that obscure if yeah, you'd said he you was know, he was like, the guy he was from the guy in that commercial for uh yeah. horizon or whatever i don't know <laughs> that would be weird um the thing about that if we can just go off on that for yeah. a second is that when they met jenner one of the things they talked about or one of the things he said is that uh, I heard they were working on a cure in France. He actually said that. That was oh. one of his lines of dialogue. Oh. Um, and after that, sometime in the seasons after, Robert Kirkman came out and said, that is the single, that is the one single thing I regret most about in yeah. all of The Walking because Dead. Because then you've thrown something in there that people are going to be like, oh my gosh, so they're going to go to France at some point or what? Yeah, you've right? you've you've thrown in the, yeah. the possibility. The possibility of a cure. That's, or that even someone's even thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. Whereas before that in The Walking Dead, he's he's always said that that's not what this is about. We're never going to talk about a cure or or anything like that. So, yeah. um, so why did they throw that in? The other... The writers threw it in? Yeah, because there's okay. more than just him involved in making a show, right? And so did he, did he like, protest it at all? Did he say, no, 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 sorry, that's not cool, you can't do that? Or did they tell I him... No, I have no idea. I don't just know. Just shut up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he's a writer for yeah. the show. He's a producer and creator, creator of course. Of, yeah. I think he just probably decided to let it go at the time and yeah. then thought about it later and was like, that was a bad idea. Yeah. Or maybe when he... When he saw the the outcome of it, like what it did to the fan reaction to it, maybe he thought, Ugh, I, I wish I hadn't put that, you know, dropped that in their mind, kind of. I feel like in that scene when they're in the CDC, didn't he show them some sort of research he had done oh, yeah. or the, some experimentation they had done? On his wife. He On had his that, wife, that's it, yeah. He had that giant, stupid that. talking computer oh, yeah. like thing that's... Uh, um, and he showed the tests he'd been doing on her. It was called TS-19, I think, right? Test Subject 19. Yeah. Like and he showed them on the big screen the how it affected the the brain yeah. or the, the uh, brain stem or something yeah, yeah. like that. So all that stuff, I think Robert Kirkman kind of regrets doing. Yeah. But uh, anyways, back to Adam's uh, email. I just think... He has a good point. If this guy actually is immune and for some reason they've decided to go that route on this show, does it really change anything that much? Probably not. So not as like, it's a big deal for me if they include this in the walking dead canon, but at the end of the day, maybe Kirkman sort of realizes that, yeah, okay, it's not that big a deal. We can do this and it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And that's what they'll show us. So good call, Adam. So Chris from the UK writes in, is this store, um, sorry, is this show just more of the same? I've been thinking about this a lot. It's easy to draw parallels, but how possible 
is it really to have them radically different? The rules of the universe are settled. The tone is set. It's not like they can do The Walking Dead as a multi-camera half-hour sitcom. Oh, if they tried hard enough. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> With some Benny Hill music going... Do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Walkers running around... <laughs> Well, they kind of did that, remember? (laughs) They did that with uh, Daryl Dixon and chasing Jesus around, and then someone cut it to Benny Hill music. Oh, oh my God, right. It was hilarious. Um, Yes, what we're getting is The Walking Dead, Mexico, but what else could it be? If the themes and archetypes we meet in the original show are a plausible, logical development from the zombie apocalypse premise, aren't we going to see them here? Would we prefer illogical or implausible developments? No, of course not. Mm-hmm. I sometimes just wish that this show, while it is different than the main show, obviously the setting's different and thematically it's slightly different. I think this show has a more tighter focus on being a family in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, but even the main show explores that too a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, there are families Rick and Lori and it's his family. Carl. Yeah, of course. And, and Judith. And then, yeah. and then even a, a looser definition of family being just the people you are with, right? The people who are mm-hmm. close to you and are, are traveling or living with you or whatever. Yeah. Um, but this show is, is more sort of strictly about that, I think. But, um, you know, but it, but having said all that, I just kind of wish there they could have found a way to really, really make it different, like really feel like a different show set in the same universe. I don't know how to do that. I mean, I don't have the answers, um, but I, I also agree with Chris saying that um, I, I just, you know, I'm glad they're 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 making it good, which I think they are um, instead of making it like ridiculous. And therefore not so good. on some other tangent. Yeah. If they were trying to make a, a, a Walking Dead show, but it was just illogical or implausible, like he said, you know, that would probably be worse. Yeah. I, I agree with that for sure. Well, and I think because you've got all the same sort of showrunners doing this. Well, you don't. So, it's a different showrunner. It's a different writing team. It's Oh, is it's, it completely different? No, but there's some... Uh, the There's show some overlap. The showrunner for this is a guy named Dave Erickson, okay. and the showrunner for the main one oh, is Scott, Scott Gimple. Gimple. That yeah, that okay. The overlap is the in overlap? the product in the producers. Produ- like, okay, that's what I sort of sorry. I Nick Nicotero corrected. I meant like more in the production team. Yeah, I almost feel like well, then wouldn't that sort of set a similar tone in a in a way because they have a sim they have a specific vision mm-hmm. because even some. You know, other shows I watch when it's a specific producer, I can see similarities between the two shows in the way that it's created. Yeah. Well, there's and there's their artistic vision. Yeah, totally. Um, You can see. Well, you can see the similarities in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Now they're same character, same showrunner. Yeah, but I'm probably some of the same writers. But but I'm with this one, there's about... a huge overlap in producers because Robert yeah. Kirkman's executive producer, yeah. Greg Nicotero is on both. Yeah. Gail Ann Hurd is on both. Yeah. Probably David Alpert. I don't know. I, yeah, I can't see, remember. that's what I mean. There's quite a few people still. Mm-hmm. There is that overlap. Yeah. Um, but that being said, they could still try to make it a little different. Like mm-hmm. it's, but it comes down to premise, I think. Like this show 
premise is it's in the same time period. It's just in a different location. And it's people's experience with the early days of the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Not the really early days, but no. the early days compared to where we are in the other show. Yeah. But like, what if it was set 50 years in the future or something? And, and, and we see what's happened. We see what's happening then, you know, or in a radically different climate, right? Like one shows in Georgia, the other one's in California and Mexico. I mean, the climate's not that yeah. different. One well, shows in Georgia, the other one should be up in like, the Yukon. What if one was in Alaska or something? Or Alaska. Yeah, exactly. So they didn't go for any of or those. Russia. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere else oh my in God, the I world. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> love to see that. Russian zombies. I don't know. I don't know. But I killed you. No, sorry. I can, zombies don't talk. What am I doing? Like, no. God. Or they'd have to have. Why do they have to have Russian sounding moans like, oh. <laughs> don't instead think of, you can do I don't know. Russian zombie sounds. Bro, zombies don't have accents. <laughs> but they should. Yeah, maybe. Their moans should all sound different. Well. Like a French moan would be like, ugh. <laughs> you're, you're just going to dig yourself a bigger <laughs> hole here. I just remembered that Simpsons episode where uh, Lisa bursts into this classroom and the teacher's speak, teaching French and she says something and, and the whole class starts laughing. Ha! And the teacher goes, oh, 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 en français. And all the kids go, oh, 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 oh. Yes. <laughs> that kills me. Super funny. But if they, were, if they were zombies, I don't think They'd they would. They'd be like, oh. Do the same thing. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Sorry, I got a little ridiculous there. That's fine. Everyone. <laughs> it happens. Uh, I'm tired. It's been a long week. <laughs> well, it hasn't been that long. It's only Thursday. I don't Still know. I feel day. like, I feel like. In fact, right now, it's I feel like it's blown along two weeks because of back to school and and work is just crazy for me right now. Right but. now, it's Thursday night, which is the unofficial start to the weekend. So tomorrow, you know, put yeah. in like 5% effort and you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, Except if I have a sick kid home again, then I won't be doing much. She'll be fine. I think she'll yeah, be back at hopefully. school tomorrow. Our older daughter's homesick, in case anyone's wondering. Barely sick. Yeah, well... She she seemed pretty rough before bed, so I don't know. All right. Anyways. Um, and yeah. after that segue. <laughs> so Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead, kind of the same, but that's okay because if this show was dumb, just to be different, we wouldn't like that. That's, yeah. the, that's the bottom line. So Yeah. I, I liked, I thought your idea for 50 years in the future, but but then it would just be a whole bunch of dead bodies lying around. No, maybe we'd see, maybe we'd be <laughs> I seeing. I just don't believe that many people would survive 50 more years. Maybe we'd Most be seeing be the be beginnings of a new civilization, right? Maybe the zombie problem would be long gone. Or would it be like, where they learn to cohabitate with the zombies? Don't spoil the end of. Oh, come on. You got to be careful. Do you think our listeners haven't seen it? I bet everyone has. You have to be careful. Okay, I'm very sorry. If there's one thing I've learned in doing 281 oh. podcasts, you have to be careful. I know. And I hate spoilers. <laughs> and now I feel really awful because <laughs> I just probably might have spoiled something for someone. I'm very sorry if I did. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm one of those people that I absolutely loathe it when someone tells me a spoiler. I'll be like, oh, well, maybe I want to like uh, reach out and punch that person. Maybe I'll bleep you out. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's gonna do it that's all the feedback for this uh special midweek feedback show for fear the walking dead once again sorry we couldn't do this on monday but uh the bonus is we were able to fit in a little extra 
you know, because we had more time and we had yeah. people had more time to send it in, too. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen on Monday. It'll either be you or it'll be Jason if he is around to talk about the next episode. Or maybe we could get one of the girls involved, except they don't they can't watch the show. They're too young. No, nope. it'd be funny, though. They'd be like, what? And the Who? you know what would happen if I, <laughs> you know, they're loud and they never stop talking on a regular day. But if I stuck them in, <laughs> front, of them in front of a mic, they're like, what? They'd clam up. Not say a thing. Although we have a cute video of Sophie singing songs from the Winnie the Pooh movie when she was really little into the microphone. Sure. But I'm not sure that's relevant to what we do here. Yeah, but it was pretty cute. (laughs) Well, that's, they're pretty cute. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that by visiting our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on send voicemail on the sidebar. You can record right into your computer. We love getting audio clips. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on Twitter at talking dead. And of course you can send emails to talking dead podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to use our Amazon links. When you do your shopping at Amazon, visit talking slash Amazon and click on the country of your choice or check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the talking dead. All right, that is enough out of me. We'll be back on Monday night to talk about the next episode. Until then, my name is Chris. I'm Christina. Thanks for listening. Thanks. I'm just going to sing. Just one, two, three. One, two, three, four. Who put the bump in the bump, she bump, she bump. Who put the ram in the ram and lemon ding dong? Who put the bump in the bump, she bump, she bump. Who put the dip in the dip, 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 dip. I like to shake his hand. He made my baby fall in love with me. I do recognize it. Oh my god. Like that's, that's just nuts.